I'm Luke Campbell and I work for a small wine company and he's Luke Morris and I keep thinking you're gonna fill in that bit. I just <laughs> That's your bit. Um, Cue in. I um I, uh, I I I I drink wine sometimes. Yeah, there we go. And together <laughs> we are Luke's Talk Wine. We talk all things wine and booze and popular culture. Think when to drink, why we drink it, and the culture that surrounds drinking. Hello, Luke. G'day, Campbell. What's been happening? <laughs> well, mate, it's all been happening. Uh, welcome, everybody. Good afternoon, good evening, good night, as they say in the business. Welcome to right, Luke's That's a tight episode. Wine. Thanks. Thanks for coming. Bye. <laughs> What's been happening today is this week's topic in Luke's Talk Wine, episode 11, season 2, is a sensational topic of... (laughs) You don't even know. (laughs) Oh, do I? Of course I know. Why don't you tell us, you Mr. Know-It-All? No, I don't know. You tell us, you Mr. You, Mr. Know-It-All. Who knows what's going on? But have we got a show for you? It's going to be a surprise, folks. So stay tuned and uh, stay tuned and see what comes out. This is unbelievable. I can't believe it. Uh, no, but oh, that's right. We've got a listener question. We have a listener question, Luke Morris, which came from Curl Curl in the northern beaches of Sydney. And the listener question this week is, is vintage the same as Harvest? from Rebecca up in Curl Curl, and this week's topic is writing a tasting note. How do I write a tasting note? Do I need to even write a tasting note? And what is a tasting note? But as always, (laughs) we start the program with Luke Morris, what's been happening in your wine world this week, pal? (laughs) Oh, man. Um, I had a sparkling Shiraz from Duke's. And um, uh, the, my, the, the, my drinking buddy, the Dukes. person who brought it along. Dukes, Barossa, Barossa Dukes. No, Dukes, D-U-K-E-S from... Um, oh, and W-A Margaret, is in... Margaret River, I think. Or no, is in Mantra. Yeah, yeah, Where yeah, is yeah, he yeah. from? Yes. Out there. Yeah. W-A. Pemberton. You know, yeah, yeah, I know. Pemberton. I'm you picking know. up what you're putting down. Yeah. yeah. Um, and he kept going on about how he can't get over how dry it is. He really enjoyed it, but he was like, so dry. And I just thought it tasted like good sparkling Shiraz. I just think it's, we've talked about this before, that sparkling yeah. Shiraz is sort of um, maligned by a community of people who don't drink it and then tell people that it's, you know, sweet, aggressive, yucky wine. And it's like, have, how many have you had? And they're like, oh, I can't, couldn't, they couldn't name one. And then they have one. And it's like, oh, this is really good. But anyway, uh, well, people's really eyes good. opening up to one. We had it with um, uh, Chinese, which um, not really the food group to consume it alongside. But anyway, good wine, no. good food. That's okay. They don't always have to match. You think they do, but they don't. Well, it goes a long way if they do match, but yeah, I mean, you know, just, just as long as you're drinking wine, you know. Let me guess, were you drinking it in a stemless vehicle or something? Or something no, I had, um, it, yeah, it had, no, I had a some somebody had stuck a large piece of glass to the bottom of it. I wouldn't call it a very good wine glass. Definitely, no flute was involved, but it was, you know, it was a vessel. 
You know, it saved us from <laughs> handing the bottle across the table to each other and just necking it up or cupping our hands and drinking it out of little sippy cups out of our hands. Well, Romans did it like that. What's wrong with you? What, drinking out of the vessel or using your hands? What did Romans using do? Using your hands, yeah. Yeah, why not? Did they? No, they pour, they, they pour from the amphoras into their hands and then... Splash it around, you know, put it... Gargle away. Yeah. When did, oh, when did cups go, come along? Not until Jesus yeah, carpeted well, something, really, is it? Well, maybe, but, you know, there was Is that why it's so and... important? The idea of having a chalice, a wooden, a wooden cup, was so like, oh, it's the Holy Grail. It's fantastic. We don't have to use our hands anymore. Woohoo! And that's the origin story of God. Is that? There you go. On the seventh day, he created cups. Cups. <laughs> <laughs> Woohoo! We don't have to use. Planted some vines, stemmed on some grapes, day one and two, fermented. That took a couple of days, maybe one or, one or two days. On the seventh day, created a cup to drink from. We don't have to use stemless anymore, boys. We're in. (laughs) Cool. Oh, my goodness. I love that old story. There is a much more serious connotation to the time of year, I guess, depending on what your faith may be. And, uh, you know, we... we Oh, it's around Easter, yeah. It is. We we don't identify with any faith here on Luke's Talk Riesling, but if you do have a faith... You normally find that in religion, alcohol is paramount to just about most faiths except Buddhism. Um, and that's and was, because there and, is a history in sharing, whether it be sharing something alkalized or whether it be sharing drinks or for better or for worse, there's often alcohol involved in religion somewhere along the lines. It's probably uh, Christianity and Judaism, isn't it? So I can't think of um, Islam or Buddhism, Zoroastrianism. No, Mormons, Mormons don't have any. Don't they? Mormons? Don't they no, they're share, too don't, don't Mormons, But Mormons share a meal at the end of... Uh, they, they share a meal at the end of the week together. Um, presumably there's would be some kind of fermented juice to go with it. Or is that nothing at all? Am I, have I got that wrong? I don't really know. You're listening to Luke's speculate on religious happenings. Religion. Um. <laughs> Fair enough. Well, let's, let's leave that topic for this one. Let's move on to wine talk. Hi, this is Luke Morris from Luke's Talk Wine. I've written some books, so visit lukemorrisha.com.au. Go there, see the books, buy one, support the podcast. That's lukemorrisha.com.au, L-U-K-E-M-O-R-R-I-S-H-A.com.au. Have a great day. Um, Because this week's topic is actually writing a tasting note. So it's something that you see on the back of a bottle. You might see it at your local independent retailer. You might see it on the top of a wine list. You'll encounter some really random uh, tasting notes all over the show. I once made a wine um, many, many moons ago, actually, and after I slaved over it for nearly 16 months, the marketing team on the back wrote, nice wine, tastes great with pizza. So, you know, the moral of the story is don't pay any attention to the marketing on the back of your bottle. But Uh, if you were going to be... No, that is annoying. But if you were going to utilise a tasting note, or what, what would you look for, Luke Morris? What do you look for in a tasting note? You probably uh, comedy. Yeah, no, I don't I, see that's the thing. I don't even look at tasting notes anymore. 
Only I if you already, were, think of yourself as a normal consumer. Think of myself as a normal consumer. Um, if I was a normal consumer, if I was a normal consumer buying Shiraz, I'm probably looking for words like bold and big and maybe, and maybe oaky and maybe, you know. Maybe peppery. Plum. I don't know, maybe peppery. I don't really get a lot of pepper out of Shiraz. I never really have, but people often say it's in there. Did but, you know yeah. the science of analysing aromas, pepper is the most misunderstood and it's also the one that is most misidentified pepper black pepper yeah that's a fact. so that's a fact so where did that research come from where did they, well, where did I, they I, I recently this? did i recently did the awac uh, advanced wine certificate where you go for a week and taste wines from all over the world and you learn to identify and pick apart flavors and aromas whether they be the 17 faults or the 32 primary aromas that exist in wines you spend several days tasting with your contemporaries and masters of wine masters sommeliers learning about them and as it comes up you know you you might um everybody's nostrils everybody's olfactory system has different um things you know some people look for some people can pick up spice some people can pick up oxidization some people can pick up excess alcohol not very many people can pick up pepper so well, under under factory conditions people aren't picking up pepper but under marketing conditions people are peppering it all up (laughs) under marketing conditions they are writing pepper all over the place wow well that doesn't surprise Mm. me really because i can't think of writing the word pepper on anything really Unless well, it's, it's like actually green peppers because I've forgotten how to write the word capsicum. It's a distinctive aroma, but you write people write it rather than smell it because everybody can identify with it. So it goes back to, you know, how you taste wine and what those aromas where they take you through. But people can identify with pepper, but actually not a lot of people can smell it. Well, that's the thing, because when you talked about tasting notes and what people should be looking for, I, I, I've, I've said this before, if somebody wants to learn about wine, write down what you're smelling and tasting, make your own tasting yes. notes, and that really educates you into how to use words, um, just in general, but in, uh, yep. in the wine world. And it will, it will help you as well, um, if you find out, you know, convey the sort of thing that you're after. But let, let's, throw, let's throw a few, I'm going to throw some varieties at you and let's just give people what to look for. Like, let's start with an easy one. Why don't we go Riesling, Luke Morris? What do you look for in a Riesling? Uh, I usually look for that slaty mineral kind of characters, but you also get some um, floral, lemon, lime, lots of little citrusy notes in there. Um, those are the, Ooh, those yeah. are the big ones, I think. Yeah. So for me... On Luke's talk, Riesling, I love a Semillon. So Semillon's a, you know, light to medium-bodied wine. It has a crisp kind of aroma. It often throws up some grassy and honey notes. Um, yep. What about what about more Chardonnay, gold, Luke? Honey, more, uh, uh, Chardonnay, um, yeah. depending on on the production, but usually lots of. Uh, more tropical fruits. Sometimes pineapple comes through to me a lot, but Ooh, melon yes. and um, 
maybe some butter. vanilla and butter, depending on the production. Again, some mineral kind of character might come through. Um, peach. But, yeah, lots of stone fruits. Yeah, peach, apricot is another one. Uh, what else? Shannon Blanc. Shannon Blanc is kind of a funny one. It's slightly sweet yet slightly bland. It's really well balanced when made well. It can be dry. It throws up all these kind of acidic kind of notes. It's um makes great sparkling wine too. But in a still wine, it can have these kind of green apple notes. But it's a medium weight wine. Shannon Blanc's a bit of a, a bit of a tricky one, I guess. Um, Ooh, here's one. We've spoken about Shiraz. What do you, what do you, how would you describe Grenache? That's a good one. Grenache. I'd describe Grenache. I want to use a, a, a more fun kind of thing. It's like Grenache is the outsider. It's just a bit, yep. you know, if everybody's having a party in a house, they're on the outside cooking the barbecue. Um, the Grenache yep. is, Grenache. Oh, gosh, you can go through a lot of spectrums with Grenache if you're looking at a tasting note. You can now. Nowadays, it pol- used to be all bubblegum, yeah. but it's changed. Yeah, I, I usually find a lot of meatiness to it. I like finding things like bacon fat and that kind of character on there because I like yep. seeing Grenache being really quite, um, uh, like, well, like I said, cooking the barbecue kind of wine. Um, with, and more spice in Grenache than you get in Shiraz. So more that yep. more potential for something like pepper and and yep. um, cin- oh, cinnamon, cinnamon maybe? But yeah. Um, and fruit, I, I red usually... fruit, full body, you know, rounded flavour, quite soft. They can be that too, a, yeah. It's, it's, doesn't it's have really... a, it doesn't, doesn't have an acid kick like some of the other no. red wines do. But it's, uh, it's, yeah. it's, a, it's a tough grape, but it's really... It's changed. It's kind of evolved. It used to be that fruity, sweet, bubblegummy um, n- note of a medium-bodied wine, but it's kind of edging towards a full-bodied wine and how it's made these days, isn't it? Yeah, so. yeah, for sure. Ooh, Tempranillo, something in your wheelhouse. Um, uh, how would you describe really, a tasting note of Tempranillo? It's really hard because it depends on whether or not you're producing something in a, that young Joven Unoak style where it's, you know, sarsaparilla, cherry cola, fresh raspberries, you know, really big and pungent aromatics all the way through to something that's uh, tobaccos and um, dark berry and uh, lots of, um, you know, you can get because of the oak treatment when you when you do oak it, you get a bit more vanillin and yeah, it's a, it's a real, I suppose a bit of a chameleon type of grape varietal. I don't know. It's, it's probably something, it's probably, think of it, for me, Tempanillo is like someone who wears a Hawaiian shirt but has gone out um, in winter and has put on a, a big puffy jacket. Like, they could be really big and, and you know, look like something that's uh, full and intimidating, but underneath there, there's all this life and vibrancy. Yeah, yeah, I'm picking up what you're putting down. I'm, yeah. That's not there, completely there broken your brain? No, no, I'm just, I'm just thinking. I, I, I was actually just thinking that I love our conversations start off somewhere and end up elsewhere, <laughs> which is great. That's excellent. Yeah, no, we're talking um, about puffer jackets. Just imagine know, every talking, time you see Arsene Wenger. No, Arsene Wenger wearing a puffer jacket. He's actually wearing a party shirt underneath and he's just covering out because he's about to go out and hit the club. <laughs> hit the club, necking temper Neo. <laughs> That's what he's up to. 
Um, and finally, for me, the tasty note on my favourite and hopefully yours, Cabernet Sauvignon. I'm looking for a bold flavour, dark flavours, everything from raspberry to black currant to this kind of succulent herbal note. Because um, Cabernet's back, baby. If you're not drinking Cabernet, go out, find yourself a Cabernet and get stuck in. Hey, do you know? I've yeah. just had a um, a, a memory because it's uh, it's my brain has told me a memory. I oh, yeah. had uh, last. It does. I did some statistical analysis of my customers. Did I tell you about this? No, I'm. Oh, do tell, do tell. Statistics, so, statistics. Yeah. Luke, Luke's talk statistics. Luke's talk statistics. <laughs> so you know, there's there's lies, damn lies, and statistics. So some of this you've got to be a bit careful with. But customer requests. So I can't remember all of them off the top of my head. But customer requests for Come red on. wine was. Um, now this is everybody, so they can choose multiple grapes. But yeah. 400 responses said that they drink Shiraz and they would want to know more about Shiraz. About oh. 120 responses said that they drink Pinot and want to know more about Pinot. And about oh. 120 wanted Cabernet updates. And there was cool. about 80 wanted Grenache updates. And then mm-hmm. there was a roughly about 95, I think it was, for all other grapes combined. Um, mm. And just when you were talking about, you know, Cabernet's back and getting to Cabernet, just the, you know, four to one response seeking Shiraz on that. Wow. I, I just, it was just something that surprised me because I had always, because Cabernet's the king, Cabernet's king Cabernet in the world. Cabernet's the most but, planted grape right in the world. Yeah, but in Australia, it's, you know, far and away not the most sought after red grape. It's fallen off its lofty Coonawarra pedestal. Ha! Yeah. <laughs> um, gosh, there's some good Cabernets out there. Oh, but yeah, I just thought that was... You're preaching to the converted here, Luke Morris. You know, if you want me yeah, to reel I'm... off my top 30, I could, but, you know, maybe for another time... <laughs> Oh, gee, look forward to that podcast. Luke <laughs> names 30 wines in a row. 30, 30 was... of Luke's uh, top Cabernets. Stay tuned, stay tuned, listeners. Um, yeah, they'll be coming up in the future. Future. Seasons. You have to do it in reverse order so that everybody's all, you know, get your playing cards out. Write down, Calvin, down. Listen, listen, listen down, list your top 30 and then see how many that get in the top 30. And then, you know, a la the Triple J Hottest 100 being, I don't even know what half these Cabernets are that he's naming. When did Helen's Hill start making Cabernet? I don't understand what's going on. Kids today, if they're Cabernets, I don't know. <laughs> 30 to 1, Luke's Talk Wine, Cabernet hit list of yeah. the country. Uh, can we start you. doing that? Can we start that? I don't know if I don't. We'll have to talk about the future Cabernet of this podcast at some point. But can we have like a hottest one hundred wines in Australia? And let's do it. It's never been done before. It's never been done before. <laughs> do you know what? That would be absolutely killer. Okay, we could probably do that. Um, yeah. We could probably do that in terms of. Uh, so we'll create a. Um, I can create a survey monkey sort of thing, mm. and 
and then we have to gosh we have to build a pretty big database you'd have to bring wines. Yes. Mm. so listeners if we ask you to do anything in this podcast which will be other things but please write in like 10 wines that you can think of or five or even one just to help us start building the list that will then go to public with the top 100 wines in Australia and what a good idea. I don't want I don't think we include vintages. I think we just like they do with the top 100 beers. They just whatever the most popular beer is for that year. It doesn't matter what the vintage was. Just whether or not people were still really vibing, you know, Hill of Grace as an iconic wine or whether or not, you know, Pepper Jack Shiraz is more iconic to the Australian people, you know. All right, so no vintages, just so it's solely drilling down on the wine. So if it's St. Helens Eden Valley Riesling, that's it. It's not 2019 St. Helens Riesling. Okay, this is rules on the run with Luke's Talk Wine, but I think that's a great idea. I agree with Luke Morris. Listeners, send us your wines, your five wines, and we'll compile a list of Luke's Talk Wine top 100 wines. And, you know, if you suggest uh, Adelaide Hills Spat Bagunda that we've never heard of, that's fine too. That's it's going on the list. About. If you suggest it, it's in. It's in, yep. You suggest it, it's in. We'll uh, put a notation next to it oh. uh, that Rebecca from Curl Curl has suggested the Spat Begunda from Adelaide Hills made by La Provia. Ah, it's in. No, no. No, I don't want to no, I don't want to publicly name people who are chisetching their wines. They can suggest whatever they want. But this could be really good for us to um, uh, get some attention as well. Yes, well, Discover absolutely. some new wines, but also discover some new listeners. You know. <laughs> yes, add to the one we've got already. Biased? I've got a I've got a biased reason for wanting to do this. I want to get more listeners. <laughs> <laughs> oh, heavens above. Uh right, yeah. Well that's that's writing a tasting note. I, I think did, did tasting <laughs> Yeah, that was writing a tasting note. The tasting notes still have a purpose. Do you reckon Luke Morris the tasting notes still have a purpose? We were slightly off topic, but you know, just bring it back. Bring it back. That's what we do here. Bring it back, not like Maloko. Um, no, not like tasting. It was Maloko. Didn't they do bring it back? Yeah, bring it back. Yeah, bring yeah. It back. yeah. Oh, you yeah. said you like Maloko. Yeah, cool. Yes, um, I did. Uh, I misheard you. Uh, does it still have a purpose? Um, hmm. yeah. Yes and no. I don't know. I think it does. I don't, I'm, I don't use them anymore, but I think they do. I guess I, yep. I guess they do, they really do. I don't know I just find them too vague. Personally, I think tasting the wine proves a hell of a lot more than the tasting note. It depends on who gives you the tasting note. I think that's what matters a little bit more. Yeah, we've well, discussed on this podcast before. You've got to find a palate that you can identify with and follow that palate. Yeah. I think. If, what do you, what you, do don't you have think? What do you do? You do you find? Oh, them I think. I, I think they're. I think they're relevant if you're buying. So, you know, in my little small square of the industry, I buy a lot of wines year in, year out, you know, to add to people's cellars or to the collection or my own, my own personal cellar. And I may not have tasted the brand new, um, you know, the brand new Canberra Chardonnay from Collector, for instance, but I really know that the 2019 was you know, not really great because it was not a great vintage in Canberra, but the 2020, cracking. 
you know so the, i think the tasting notes from year in year out are a benefit to a consumer but i think you know the the back of label this smells like pepper and tastes like cat's wee i think they're not exi- i think they're irrelevant i think yeah, the back of label ones can be, like you said, a bit biased and written by a marketing person. Or written by the yep. person who runs the, gosh, written by the person who runs the um, website. And often that can be just cut and pasted from previous vintages. Like they're really, yep. some websites, do you know what wineries do well? Often make wine. Do you know what they do badly? Everything else. Websites. <laughs> Webs- winery websites and buy all Don't crap. What about I the age statement it's... on a website? Do you love the it age... when you log on to a website? Oh, and ask you for I'm so statement? sick of that. No, like, who, who's, who's, that who's that saving? Is there I some fo- really truthful five-year-old asking mum and dad for help and then like, oh, I was born in 2015. <laughs> because the five-year-old really wants to look up you know, the cepage of the Koleski Pirathon Shiraz Grenache. <laughs> yeah. I mean, anyone who's smart enough to want to find out the information about that stuff online is also smart enough to just dodge that bullet fairly easily. <laughs> yes, like, that still, still makes me laugh. I mean, bring back the days where you couldn't buy wine online and everybody had to get some older dude. You know, you had to hang out the side of the uh, local bottle shop and pay some local dude to go inside and get you a what? bottle. What? That doesn't happen, Luke That happened. I heard a great story. Not a great story, but the story about some guy who, who like, walked, standing outside a um, bottle bottle shop and some teens. He was a teenager and he was like trying to get some booze and he just paid this guy like 50 bucks and said, can you get us a slab? And the guy was like, yeah, sure, mate. No, I was just right here. I'll come back and give you a slab. And then like 10 minutes later, the guy drives past going, thanks for the beer, mate. <laughs> keeps going. <laughs> One of my greatest ever Semyon experience uh, was – doing exactly that i was standing outside uh and i was the the biggest and the tallest and the ugliest i was standing outside the alleged um bottle shop and (laughs) i i allegedly spoke to someone much much older than me on behalf of a group of guys and i said i can you just get us a a bottle of wine because we couldn't agree on whatever we were but obviously growing up on a wine in a wine region we all drank wine but we couldn't have we couldn't agree whether it was vodka beer wine or whatever and i said oh Stuff it. It's just going to be a bottle of white wine. Done. No worries. So I got. I went and spoke to said um, person providing the alcohol. They went and bought it, and they come out with this a bottle of broken wood semion. We had nothing to. We had no stemless, no cups, nothing to drink it out of. So we're just drinking it out of the bottle in a park, very responsibly. Damn, and um, it's safe. Gosh, those are the days. Anyway, <laughs> those are the days. Very safe. Uh, just you know, we we're just four teenage. Um, bloke sitting around the bar yeah. drinking wine it was you know all above board <laughs> and uh yeah. the first sip i Maybe had of this wine I still, yeah. the fir- the fir- oh, there was no tasting notes but the first sip i had of this wine it was just like it was one of those moments you know where the angels start flattering around your ears and the classical music starts and, was like, <laughs> and i was like man i can't share this like i was i had just finished vintage um in 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 the hunter anyway, the bloke. Had what, bought, you're old enough to work vintage, but you couldn't. 
buy wine. <laughs> no, that's that, that's the fun of it. I was Actually, about I was I about sixteen or seventeen. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, you couldn't buy alcohol by law. This person had come out, and I still remember it. It was the Brokenwood uh, cricket pitch, which in those days was oh, yeah. Semillon with Sauvignon. I'm not even sure yeah. if Brokenwood still made the cricket pitch, but it was a great white blend, but it was dominant Semillon. That's how they used to hide the Semillon in those days. Um, and it was a bloody cracking drink, and I was like, I can't share this with you blokes. Um, anyway, so we all had – we all, they, I didn't share anymore, and I had to go back then and buy a bottle of vodka. Uh, I just went in and bought the bottle of vodka in the end, but it was one of my uh, still greatest Semyon experience. I can still remember it. But uh, anyway, that was right. So you went in and bought a bottle of vodka underage <laughs> after necking a bottle. So you needed that bottle of Semyon to get you like the confidence up. <laughs> Pretty much. Well, you know, Semyon's you know, usually about ten percent in alcohol anyway. So um, you know, so breakfast wine really. Drink responsibly. Breakfast <laughs> wine. God. Looking forward you started to it. Tour anyway. you. <laughs> uh, list the question. So, Rebecca in Curl oh, Curl yeah. writes from the Northern Beaches is vintage the same as Harvest? Luke Morris, this is one for you. Uh, yes, basically. I mean, the term vintage, the way we use it in the wine industry, is basically yes. The, the harvest is when the harvest takes place and we call that process. Harvest is really just picking the grapes, but we call that whole process of picking grapes and making wine and the whole thing together vintage. So I guess actually my answer is no, they're separate because harvest no, is No, you're changing your answer. And yeah, vintage is a process that starts with picking the grapes but ends with, uh, I suppose, something that's fermented. fermented so basically when it's finished... Maybe when it's finished the ferment, so it might be a, um, it might take about a month or two for the vintage to really finish, because you can have drawn out picking. You, know, you can be picking a vineyard that, you know, some of your riesling might you might pick early on, or even some of your riesling you might pick, why you know a month later when it's frozen or something, depending on where you live. Um, oh, absolutely. Depends on where you live. Picking riesling, and the whole thing can but take ages. A vintage can take, yeah, six and eight weeks in some yeah. cases. So in warmer regions, it's obviously a lot quicker. But, yeah, in colder yeah. regions, it, it takes a lot lot longer. Um, and, you yeah. know, on the East Coast here, you know, the, the Hunter or the Granite Belt might be first. And, you know, Margaret River or Great Southern in WA might not finish vintage until, well, you know, t- towards the end of May. So it's yeah. quite a long, particularly here in Australia, um, the, and you'll want it to be as long vintage. as possible, to be honest. Yeah, that's a good comment. You you probably do. Why? 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 Maybe clarify that for the listeners, Luke Morris. Ah, oh, it just makes your life a lot easier cleaning tanks. <laughs> no, well, because yeah, if you've got, if you've got, um, you want longer vintage for various reasons. One of them is because the grapes can hang on the vine for a bit longer and they get a bit more. Uh, as long as they, you know, if as long as they're healthy grapes, you don't want washing grapes on the vine. But so that means the longer you can leave them on in a healthy state, the more flavour they can extract from the sun and the soil and the, you know, the terroir. And um, that's good because if you can space out picking your Cabernet from your Shiraz, from your Tempranillo, from your Chardonnay, from your whatever it is, how many grapes you might have depending on where you are. It also helps you be able to, you know, crush that, put that into a, into a fermenter, 
get that fermenting going and then into potentially into barrel or tank or whatever your process is before you have to really start moving something else in. And that means that you can maybe have a, a longer fermentation and, and, and more control or extract different flavours out of the ferment because you've got time as opposed to uh, we'll have to heat this ferment up a little bit to get it to finish a little bit faster because we've got to pick that Cabernet tomorrow and we've got to put that somewhere when that comes in, you know. That's it's like a big old a, game of Tetris, really, isn't it? It is. It's how you get sometimes get blends too, because you got to throw, you got to make space into tanks. I think we talked about that once. We did. Yeah. Yeah, once, once, once. You know, for about go seven go minutes. back in the catalogue and find that listener. Go on. <laughs> yes, absolutely. <laughs> Why not? Um, hey, but um. Yeah. What do you, do so, you think there's much difference between vintage? Vintage is a really loaded world, word because it can mean so many different things. But uh, It's all-encompassing, isn't it? No, I, I think you oh. very aptly and very considerately defined the difference between vintage and harvest. I have nothing more to add. <laughs> um, I'll just, I just add vintage is an interesting word because it's what, – what do we use it for? We, people use it as a, a – a verb you can do a vintage is a noun because that is a vintage and an adjective because you can refer to something as being vintage um it's a weird ah. word yes i see yes because wow that is a very very good observation yeah i haven't thought about that I have quite so, clearly. <laughs> well, as, as well as um, aptly describing it, you have distinguished it from any other verbs or doing words. I like that, Luke Morris. It's yeah. not. Yeah. It's not just straight up wine talk. It's vernacular as well. <laughs> Luke's talk vernacular. <laughs> hey, what what have you been drinking? I know you were inhaling Gruner Veltliner. Uh, the other day, but uh, have you drunk anything since? I know you had some time off the booze as well. Yeah, no, I can't. Um, I think we did a tasting yesterday, and there was a there was a 2013 Kunoa Cabernet that stumped me because I got pretty much everything about it. We played a game of options where you try and guess oh. things about the wine, and well, I got pretty much everything. Of, so, sorry, lean in. I'm listening. Oh, yeah. Options. Oh, what stumped me about it was the. Uh, Color. They said, "Is it a um, six years, up to six years old, or, or or seven years and older?" And I thought it didn't look older than five years because I looked at the hue on the side of, of on the side of the um, glass on the, the color, rim. The, yep. the rim, and um, I thought, "Oh, gee, it's not very dark around the edges." I mean, I think it's aged, but I don't think it's that old. And then it turned out to be 2013, which is what nine years. Mm. And then I realised that it has um, it's 2013, but it's only recently bottled. It was stored in tank, so it hadn't. It was stored in like a a large container with low oxygen contact uh, per volume, and therefore it hadn't aged as quickly as something that would was bottled in a bottle with a uh, a higher um, what's it, is it oxygen to liquid ratio so um hmm. it hadn't aged as much and so i it stumped me because of that but that was interesting that was something that i thought was um you wouldn't normally pick because of that 
Oh, that sounds interesting. <laughs> Would that happen often? Would people tie do that often? Like no, this parts? one we this one we had. Um, uh, there had been a massive amount of infighting in the family about 10 years ago and they ceased operations and fairly recently somebody bought the company and when they bought the company, they bought the assets that had been untouched for nearly 10 years because hmm. of, not, of, of no trading being allowed because of the um, financial disputes. And so this, this, this one is, um, what do you call something that's unusual? This one is unusual. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, uh, that's where that came from. You wouldn't normally do it because obviously doing that would, um, you know, you need your tanks. You need to rotate your tanks. You can't just store something yeah. like that for a long time. It's bad for your finances. Well, anyway, there you go. What are you drinking? Mate, it's it's a good thing you asked. I am drinking Riesling, and I'm drinking bucket <laughs> loads of it. I'm back on the Riesling train. But I had uh, recently, I had, uh, it was a Canberra Riesling, actually, and it was none other than the Clonakilla Riesling, actually. So we, you, we were talking about cult wineries in the last episode, actually, and yep. you inspired me. You brought up Tim Kirk and John Kirk there in Clonakilla. They've actually got some of the oldest uh, Riesling vines in Murrum Bateman, which is, although it's Canberra Districts, it's actually New South Wales. And it was utterly delicious. Uh, I had the half bottle maybe back, anyway, it was on one night and I finished the next one, the rest of it the next night, and it was great. A little bit of seafood on the side, just that flinty, greeny, just almost crystalline character. It was just highly slurpable and, and delicious, you know, all for about, you know, 20 odd bucks, so it was simply stunning. Good. Reason. For 20 bucks, that's Riesling. Yeah. You get something that's yeah. stunning for, you know, cheap. Yeah. Well, that's it. You know, like, and, I mean, it, it had this massive acid line and it had aged for an eon, but I, it didn't last in my fridge. I just slurped it down. <laughs> <laughs> well, I know lots of people uh, who are like that. They, they love Riesling, but they're, they're either on the uh, boat, I want it young or I want it old. Yeah, I think there's plenty of fun to be had in between, as I'm sure you would yeah, agree. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Hey, this has been Luke Talk Wine. I'm Luke Campbell. You can find me on the socials at vinified underscore wine underscore services. He's been Luke Morris. Where do we? Where can we find you, Luke Morris? Uh, still at the Comedy Festival. And I'll be I'll be hopping around, but I think my socials are Luke Morris Ha. So excellent. If you do want to get in touch with us and send us your wines or send us any questions, it is lukestalkwine at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. It's been great. It's been swell. And in the words of Tony Barber, keep smiling and bye for now. Vinified are the wine cellars specialists. We're Australia's only personal sommelier service. Our sommeliers work with you to build your cellar. Our aim is to bring you the wines from the freshest new producers, all based on your tastes. We can come to you, source your wines, present tastings. Think of Vinified as your wine concierge. We can do retail, we can do tastings, we can host your dinner parties, or we can procure you that rare wine. Vinified is proud to be associated with Luke's Talk Wine. www.vinified.com.au